Today's episode of Northern Lights is presented by North Star Law Group, your trusted partner in Minnesota's burgeoning legal cannabis industry. Whether you're just starting out or looking to expand, attorney Jen Riza and her team will help you understand the latest developments, scope out risks, and find a compliant path forward in this rapidly changing field. Visit NorthStarLaw.com and let North Star Law Group guide you through the legal landscape with confidence. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Northern Lights. I'm your host, Tanner, joined today by Marcus and Steve. Welcome, guys. Hey, Tanner. Good to be here. Welcome. Good evening. Yeah. Super excited to have you guys here at the Dabbler Depot studio. Man, it was a busy week. Right. No days off. No, No days off. Doesn't matter what day it is. Thinking of where we were a week from today, so it's Wednesday right now, we're, we're looking back a week, the things that have happened in the past week. We had our beverage event at Modest Brewing. Bam. Bam. We got to have a class actually at Modest itself. Bam, bam. We recorded two podcasts earlier in the day. Oh, bam, yeah. Bam, bam, Yep. <laughs> and uh, we've gotten word that the beverage, if you were to go to Modest Brewing today, all Hello? gone. Hello. Is that- bam. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It flew out from from best that we know uh, from our conversation with Andy. It is the fastest that a beverage has just totally fallen off the shelf at Modest Brewing. Well, goddamn, fastest to make. That should not be a limited run. Fastest to go. More on that later. No, 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 no. It's a limited run. People should go to the stores. They should definitely seize the opportunity to get it. Could there be some Northern Light opportunity in the future? Maybe, (laughs) but really, I think you know. You never forget the first Northern Lights run, and this right. is really this is really the best one. Yeah, we'll just be chasing that high forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was it was really just such a fun time. I, I had this thought, and it's actually something that that Jeslyn Bell said to me while we were at at the venue, and it was to see so many people in the industry that they themselves either have products in their shop because they make them or they sell them or they just have a lot of cannabis products. They know a lot of people in the industry. To have them come out on a Saturday and to just buy our cannabis product, just to try it out, just to come and support us, truly it meant so much. So to everyone who was there and to those who have gone to the store and bought them, truly just thank you so much for for all of your support. Thank you. That's love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful release. Amazing. You can still find it. I mean, it'll be around at stores like Dabbler Depot, Canna Joy. Yeah. It'll be there. Yeah, it was cool. In fact, if you Google... Northern Lights Beverage Modest right now. There are a couple of stores that pop up. You know, we had David on oh, recently. Yeah. Hemp House is one that's pretty near the top. So, oh, yeah. David uh, and his SEO is strong. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. But, yeah, of course, as you said, you can get it here at the Dabbler Depot as well. Um, getting on the shelf here pretty I soon. I want to be like so. David. Yeah. <laughs> strong with this. Oh, tell me all. Well, guys, it was a pretty busy week, not just for us, not just for the amazing classes that we had, um, but in cannabis news generally. We have a couple different things that we want to talk about. Um, but first, I do have to give one more shout out from the weekend. We talked about the beverage release, which was such a fun time. Really cool to connect with people. But then we got to come back like 48 hours later and have an amazing class. I mean, it was truly one for the history books. It was phenomenal. Yeah. No cap. We knew it was going to be because that event space is so special and there hadn't been a cannabis event in there. And we've seen Stephen Cornell come with the goods, you know, like he shows up 
prepared and ready to go above and beyond. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When he started walking in with those bags of the, the supplies to make soil, like I have to I have to tell people, and this probably seems pretty bad, but going into the night, I assumed that the presentation was going to be, here's how you make it. Now go home and make it. He didn't really tell me ahead of time that he was going to bring in every single supply. He didn't say he was going to do a demo? Not the huge tarp, not making a cubic yard of soil right in front of everyone. And it was cool because actually it wasn't just making it in front of people, but there were people that got gloves on. They were up there mixing it around. That was a master class. It was a master class. It was phenomenal. He didn't tell us that he was going to bring 20 units of already pre-mixed super soil, living soil, ready to be put into your garden. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I got that call while I was here on Monday at like 2.30 and he was just saying he needed help with supplies. Like the genius that Stephen Cornell is, is that he's working on so much stuff amazingness that he can't get it all out. He can't communicate it all. And, but you give him a platform and he shows you. And not only that, he gave, he gave away 12 years of information. He yeah. gave away all his whole process. He open sourced it. And you can now have access to it if you become a friend of the Minnesota Cannabis College. Mm-hmm. Right. I know. I was putting together the visual that we send out to all the students at the class, sort of walking through how to make it. And I was typing out like the ratios and I was like, feels like I shouldn't be doing this. Like, this is like a secret recipe that years of work went into when he joked at the front, like up until today, my employees didn't even know the recipe. Like it's incredible. (laughs) So spilling that knowledge out, really helping people to go home, be able to grow such high quality cannabis, like, and just add water. That shit was gangster as fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially with the venue. I mean, the, the, the mirror ceilings and the, Tall ceilings and the lighting was perfect. You don't feel like you're in a brewery at all. No. And my mom would be really proud because there was a lot of discussion, the importance of eating high quality vegetables and microgreens and, you know, focusing on your health. It's one of those things that I think few people bring to a cannabis class like our buddy Stefan does. So. Nutrition forward. And, uh, yeah. and, and we we brought out the moms. There were mm-hmm. a lot of moms there. Shout yeah, out to right. all the moms. Uh, we want you to feel comfortable growing cannabis. We want you to feel educated. Yeah. Come out to one of our classes. Well, yeah. and that's what I love. I made a comment to Stefan right after the class of like, I think the first couple classes that we did. It was a lot of people that were pretty already tapped into our community, which is amazing. Keep coming to our classes. Like this is not a negative, but it was so cool to see faces come out that really I had not seen or met prior to that night that said like, Hey, I heard about this class or I was at Modest and I tried the beverage or, you know, I know Cornell's products and I just wanted to come and learn more about it. Like it's so cool being able to connect with all these growers who are now tapping into all of this knowledge and the, you know, the, the rising sea raises all ships or whatever that phrase is. Like, I think Stefan truly was right when he was talking about how if we all grow better, like we're all going to smoke better weed. We're all going to we have all better, better We all grow better. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. It's but, such a great class. Yeah. I mean, if you missed out, you know, just please consider coming to the Minnesota Cannabis College. We mm-hmm. are delivering two for two so far this year and mm-hmm. three for three if you count the beverage. Yeah. So before we talk about some news, let's plug just a couple upcoming classes because we do have some in the pretty near future here that people can still register for. So if you want to come to class at Modest, you know, you missed the first one. Should have been there. Or if you were there, thanks for coming. But if you would like to come to our next class at Modest, that's coming up on Leap Day. This is the your only opportunity to go to a grow class on Leap Day. 
within the next four years. So now is your opportunity to do you it. You can get stuck in a great loop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. It's with Bobby and Brian from Doug's Nugs. Mm-hmm. And we found out a little bit more this week. They're giving away seed packs. People are going to be able awesome. to pick out one of 10 varieties of their cultivars. Oh, wow. So you're getting the basically the the equivalent in ticket price, you're going to be getting that back through goods and supplies. And uh, Brian and Bobby know what they're doing. Make sure to watch mm-hmm. that episode if you haven't seen it already. Yeah. And, you know, we've put out an anthem around Doug's Nugs, and we're going to keep promoting that. Class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's dropping on Spotify soon. Keep looking that up. <laughs> Are we going to find out who Doug is, though? <sighs> Hopefully at this class. Yeah. Doug's yeah. Nug, who is Doug? Uh, well, you'll find out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. We'll, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. <laughs> Maybe. If you show up. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, guys. Should we jump into some news? So uh, there was a lot that happened this week. Gingerly. Gingerly. We'll, we'll gingerly leap into the news. So there was a lot that happened this week. We are going to be breaking down some discussions from the OCM. In fact, we're going to be listening some, to some audio clips from that presentation and live responding to it. Something new here for the Northern Lights podcast. Um, We're also going to talk at the end about a new training program that we came out with that really provides people with an opportunity to ensure that their business is remaining compliant without really a ton of effort on the front end, ensuring that they're getting high quality education for each one of their employees. Um, But first off, guys, we launched a new program this weekend. Like, so we, we talked about the things that we did on Saturday and the things that we did on Monday. But the thing that we sort of skipped over was Sunday, we did a huge phone banking effort to tons of different people that had come to our classes, that have bought books from us, that bought a shirt. Maybe you bought a pen from us way back in the day. Whatever be it. If you haven't gotten your call yet, it's coming soon. Right. We launched the Friends of the Minnesota Cannabis College program. Hell yeah. yeah. Long time in the running, but it it's truly such a cool opportunity to be able to help build community and sustainably help grow cannabis education here in Minnesota. I mean, I, I, I can't keep talking about it without jumping to you, Marcus, because really going back to like the beginning of our organization, this was something that you talked about as being so important to help grow community and to really help connect people. Talk to us a little bit about why Friends of the Minnesota Cannabis College is such an important thing. Well, I thought that we are good friends to the cannabis culture as an organization, as a nonprofit organization. We are good friends to the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. So friendships are supposed to be reciprocal. Mm -hmm. We've done over 20 events with practically no money. Mm -hmm. We're devoting like countless hours of our time to this mission. And we feel like, you know, we can build this culture this industry in minnesota to be the best in the world with the help of our friends mm-hmm. sustaining sustaining so members, like right? we're trying we've created this this nonprofit organization but we need the community to invest in it mm-hmm. so people can demonstrate their friendship i mean you demonstrate it whenever you listen to this podcast whenever you sign up for a class attend an event they, but they commit we need to everybody it. to contribute some money too for the organizational capacity. We need to have enough income so that we can pay you to do this full time. I mean, imagine what Tanner Barris could do. <laughs> I was thinking about it on the way his, here. If this was his full time job. Absolutely. It would if be, he didn't have to do all this in addition to his full time job. I mean, he might even be able to get a deal with Sleep Number at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you need the IntelliBet. That's the that's my dream matchup. So it's a sustaining membership opportunity. I, it starts as low as 
$4.20? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you can get in at the ground floor, and at the very least, you're you're contributing every month, and that's what we're looking for. We want to build this sustainably. We've seen the ups and downs of throwing events. You know, yeah. some you miss, some you hit, and the sustaining members allow us to be a little bit more on the foundational side of planning. It'll mm-hmm. They allow us to build on that, okay, we know we've got at least... $62 this month. So, you know, yeah. we can spend 58 of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone on the phone and he was like, all right, well, tell me a little bit about like the different levels. And I was like, well, truly like our, our most starter level, if you just want to like start to tap in, see if this is a community for you, $4 and 20 cents a month. And there was like this moment of pause. It's like, that's less than like one gram of weed a month. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to know what that kind of power, if we had 10, 15, 20 people join at that level, I mean, the things that we can do with that truly is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. A little things mean a lot when a lot of people do them. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to create this opportunity for people to invest in themselves yeah. by investing in the culture, investing in the advocacy for the industry. That's not about the profit. For sure. I mean, we want to support entrepreneurs who do create profits and create jobs and create wealth, but our organization exists for the grassroots people, the people mm-hmm. who may need some help starting up with their business, you know? So investing in the Minnesota Cannabis College is investing in an equitable cannabis industry because mm-hmm. we're trying to provide education, training, encouragement, eventually financial resources to help the small guy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to help the, you know, the great entrepreneurs who just need some, some help. Yeah. And what I love about that sustaining and best buds level is, you know, we've talked in the past about how do we make some of our previous classes that we've recorded available to people? We really want to make that open and that, that kind of education available. And like, what's the cost that we set for that? That's fair for our, our instructors. And we really feel like if you help us to grow as an organization, that education is yours. Like if you if you join at either one of those levels, you get totally free access to all of our previous classes. In fact, I'm t- tonight going to be editing one up and uploading it up and all of those people that have joined at that level, even if they miss that class on Monday, will still be able to tap into that type of education. Wow. It's like the Paramount Plus of Minnesota Cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think it's fair to say that we add a lot of value to the Minnesota cannabis market, the cannabis industry, the cannabis culture. And these are, this is our uh, love language, our acts of service. Mm-hmm. So this is a service organization. We're a charitable nonprofit. Yeah. So we give away all the game that we can. And the things that we do charge are like the most minimal. I mean, we charge $5 for the growing handbook. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking we're of We're making that, this accessible to yeah. people. Uh, we were selling books on Saturday. That was great. Yeah. That was really, really cool. Uh, new book out. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's not yet added to our website. Actually, by the time people watch this episode, it will be added to our website. Yeah, I'm super excited to be able to bring that new book out. Again, some of the things that we're able to do with our, our friends in the industry, right? Be able to connect people that have high quality education, connect people with that updated information. And like we were able to release that book. We were able to release our updated training because some of our friends in the industry that are joining not at that that foundational individual level, which is important and helps us to grow, but on that business level, partnering with us and saying, how can we as a business help you to grow as a nonprofit? Truly something that was incredible to be able to partner with North Star Law on that. And um, if other people are interested in 
helping us to grow, not just as an individual, but but as a business as well. We do have business levels as well that, right. you know, we've been planning events. We want to tap people into that. We've got our podcast. We want to get more people on here. Like we just really want to see who else is interested in helping to grow high quality cannabis education here in Minnesota and connect you with some amazing educational opportunities in the process. And we, we build, we're building such a beautiful, beloved community in one by one, we're getting the who's who in Minnesota cannabis to come on this podcast and to collaborate with us at our classes and events. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if there's any other place where you're going to get this tapped in. Mm-hmm. I mean, upcoming episodes that we've got already recorded, Bob Galligan, mm-hmm. Jeff Brinkman. Oh, yeah. Steve Brown. Yep. I think there's probably a few other in the tuck. Oh, yeah. We've got a couple others that are in the vault that, that haven't yet been touched, but you will be seen very shortly here. And that's what we love is that there's so many people doing amazing work here in the industry. And because of some of our partners, we're able to to help make that possible and help share that information, share that message. And um, truly, thank you all so much for, for helping us to grow. Yeah, thank you, friends. Yeah, Come out you. to Doug's Nugs Boot Camp. We've got a lot of tickets left. Um mm-hmm. You know, if you want to bring a friend, bring a friend. Like, we've got the space. We can't wait to see you all. Come out and check out uh, Brian and Bobby. That's coming up on February 29th. Yeah. So we should... Friends. Yeah. So we should say, if you want to get tickets for that, you can go to mncanvascollegesorg backslash bootcamp. We've got them right on there. And then also, if you uh, want to become a friend, mncanvascollegesorg backslash friends. You can go and join today. Super excited to be able to partner with people. mncanvascollegesorg backslash friends is where you can join you know, at that at best bud level, at the sustaining friends level, whatever level. So I, I actually checked that link today mm-hmm. and I was getting ready to respond to a LinkedIn comment. Mm-hmm. A guy was in Ely. He's looking for us to have a class up there. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get around to it. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it's four hour. Job. <laughs> and, and so I said, you know, we need to do a better job of promoting our live stream. Mm-hmm. You know, we offer a $10 live stream for all of these classes. And that's really for the guy in Ely who wants to learn more about living soil, but can't afford to drive down four hours. And so I'm, I pushed him as well to say, check, check out the yeah. Friends of the Minnesota Cannabis College program. We just launched it and you'll be able to have access to that video. Mm-hmm. And that's so it's thing. a great way to either, I mean, it's a great way to get access, like you said, to all the classes, but also we have that live stream option available for these classes. We're sure. paying to have these videos recorded so that we can have them and share them and as a friend of the Minnesota Cannabis College, you get the whole library, all mm-hmm. the way dating back to the cloning class with Doc Dabbs. Yeah. Well, the one thing you unfortunately don't get with that library is being able to ask questions, which you do get with that live stream, which is yeah. makes it a pretty cool option. No matter where you are, in Minnesota or throughout. Or Seattle. Always right. tap in. Yeah. Any reason. All right, y'all. Well, we're going to take a very short break here. When we get back, we are going to listen to some audio clips from that recent OCM meeting and uh, share our thoughts about some of their comments. We'll be right back. bundle it's time to bundle for february we've got two free tickets with every new bundle coming out february and march and april with bovida we're doing a new bundle and you can have two tickets to the boot camp for the bundle 
Hey Steve, you can just you can just tell people that they can buy the bundle. They'll get two tickets to the boot camp. You can go to mncanvascollege.org backslash highly educated and just buy your bundle. Why didn't you just say so? Go buy your bundle today. And we're back. Welcome, guys. So in this next segment, we're going to listen to some audio clips from that recent OCM meeting. Now, the reason that we're not going to be watching the video on the nice screen that they have in here is because that, that meeting wasn't actually video recorded. It was just audio recorded on this iPhone right here. Um, and that's sort of the only record of what was exactly said at this meeting. So um, that's why throughout this, you're going to be hearing some audio that isn't like of the best quality. And that's not because we just, you know, really think the audience recording is a better vibe of the room. It's just because that's the only recording there is. So we've got a couple different segments we're going to be listening to throughout the meeting. I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts on what was said, what do you think it means for the future of our industry, and just sort of general comments. So we're going to be starting here with an introduction, um, a little bit about someone who's working for the OCM as that communications director, talking more on that public uh, outreach side, um, and that is Marone. So let's listen to that introduction here. Marone Melican, I should say. Mm-hmm. All right, here's that introduction. Great woman. Um, my name is Marone Melican. I um, am not originally from the cannabis industry, so I think that it's fair to put that out there right away. But um, I do come from an organizing background. I do come from community. Um, I also come from state government. been in state government for quite a long time now, and I've figured out how to navigate a lot of those spaces, but also do so in such a way that you're also um, informing all the work because of, I think, the spaces that I come, come from, whether it's organizing, whether it's community, whether it's justice work. Um, And so when asked to come here, it was both, I think I was excited to leave COVID, but then I was also just like, this is still justice work. This is still, um, you know, repairing harm. There's a lot of very informed work that we can do in this process. And I think Minnesota wants to do it right. I think when you, we didn't draft the legislation, right? Like our legislators did, our community um, helped inform that. And I think that that was the essence of a lot of the work. And so I just want to be a part of that process to help implement it. All right. So that was an introduction. What do you think about the thoughts that uh, we have someone with such that equity lens, really sort of that that mouthpiece for the office? I mean, honestly, I, she might be the best hire to date that the OCM has made. Yeah, I, I sat with her in a community forum earlier this summer or in the summertime. And um, I'm I'm familiar with her a little bit. And I think that's a great hire. So she's she's uh, she's on the side of justice. She She said that emphatically. And that's yeah. what we need on the and, and she has a leading voice, you know, so her opinions are going to come through the, the department. They're going to come out of the department because she's communicating on be, on their behalf. I'm hopeful that she can help influence some of the hiring decisions, too, that are ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the next audio clip is just one of my favorites from the thing. Um, we actually talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. So if you heard our initial comments to the meeting that were recorded just like a few hours after the meeting itself, this is something that I think I will forever hold as a prideful thing. Let's, let's listen to the clip. I think that there's a lot of hope for what could be done in Minnesota. In a lot of our research for the state, uh, as it relates to consumption, we found that Minnesota consumers consume a little bit more than the average Midwest um, state, which is exciting. Um, <clears throat> I think it shows that there's hopeful market. I also hope show that uh, shows that I believe the low potency hemp edible situation might lend some credibility to that, right? Um, so I would really like to open it up for whatever conversation topics you guys would like to have after we hear from Eric on any other national perspective. I'll, I'll stand up for you, Maroon. 
What do you guys think? Is that exciting? I think it's that's very exciting. exciting. Fuck, I'm on the edge of my stool right here. I mean, we're surrounded by non-legalized cannabis states. Prohibition states. Prohibition states. And and Canada is the only border we have that touches uh, that we touch that has legal cannabis. And they have uh, nationwide legal cannabis. So, you know, Minnesota is a great uh, a great place to smoke weed. And we're some of the pickiest consumers in the country, too. So that means that our standards are above the other 49 states. I mean, we got to catch up in terms of, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever catch up to California in terms of like. I guess, let me say this, because what I said before didn't make any sense. I think culturally we make, we, we make great cannabis consumers. We have uh, an agricultural background and we, we have a local uh, forward approach to things and we appreciate craft beer. So mm-hmm. we're going to appreciate craft cannabis as well. Oh, yeah. I've long argued that Minnesota is sort of that hidden stoner state that long we've had this history of cannabis culture integrated into what it means to be Minnesotan. You might be seeing a, a book about it. Some, I don't, I don't right, know, right, the history. Whatever. But <laughs> truly, no, I think this is the place Swirl to smoke cannabis. And I think it, it, I will, I'll be proud to be a Minnesotan where we can, you know, smoke the Wisconsinites under the table. I mean, imagine what Minnesota cannabis market will be like in 20 years. Bingo. Like, Oh, yeah. The North Star State. Mm-hmm. The Northern Heavy State. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Next audio clip. We actually were able to submit some comments, and we were curious, what are some of those goals that you want to really accomplish during those early days of rolling out the licensure process, rolling out the program? Um, and this is an audio clip of one of the things that they said was really one of their priorities. So let's listen to uh, listen to that clip. Also, I think from a national perspective, we understand – um, a priority from the implementation standpoint is what do we need to do to get licenses out the door? Um, cannabis is a very litigious space. Um, so we want to make sure that, A, at the end of the day, we have equity built in to the program, but we're also able to get licenses out the door so they can realize um, and open those doors uh, and open their businesses. Um, and that's a, that's a fine line, a, a delicate process to be able to get from A to B um, as we've seen in other states, there can be a lot of hangups. This right. this guy would be a lot of fun to have on the podcast. Who was he? He is uh, Eric. Is yeah. So this is Eric Gunderson, oh. who's the senior policy advisor for the cannabis public policy consulting firm, who was uh, hired on by OCM to help them with implementation. Is he the guy from Maine? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He is the the implementation former implementation director for Maine when they got their cannabis program started up. They've helped now five states. They said helped up their program. They're here helping us. I think I think he would be a great guest. Yeah. Does he just fly in from time to time? He doesn't live here, does he? Um, I'm almost certain that with the work that they're doing, they're here pretty full time, if oh, not okay. nearly. He's, he's probably living in a so hotel room in St. Paul. He was in person for this event. Okay. Yeah, no, I get it. Right. And and then there's also Mackenzie Slate. So I think the two of yeah. them are consulting on this project. They're probably mm-hmm. uh, living here for the next few months. Yeah. Didn't, they, didn't she say something like, I'm a project man Management scientist. So we almost included that audio clip. Yeah, oh. she said, I am an implementation scientist, which oh. is not, not just a project not manager. Just a project yeah, not just a project manager. Oh, my bad. No, I, hey. no, I respect it. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Art uh, and science. See, we don't even need to include the clip. We just have Marcus Arkley. <laughs> science. Uh, here, here, Tanner, what, what do you, since you asked a few of these questions that got submitted uh, and got asked on the program, what do you think about this clip? 
Yeah, well, so I think I'm happy to hear that their goal is to get licenses out the door. And I think one thing that I commented on in the last podcast that still rings true is it's interesting that our state is so focused on avoiding litigation that will lead to an injunction. They know that a lawsuit is coming. Their goal is just to set up the best type of program possible so that when that lawsuit comes, it doesn't stop what they're doing. It maybe, you know, leads to some changes or some courtroom hearings, but really not leading to the stopping and injunction of of everything that's being done. So it's good to hear that they're looking at what's happened in other states, looked at where lawsuits have happened that have failed and where programs were sort of stripped apart of some of their social equity provisions. I'm glad that they're focused on keeping those in our program. So You mean where lawsuits have failed with the state defending themselves? Yeah, like okay. I think Illinois is a great example where there's supposed to be so much social equity built into their program. But when you look at how many of those licenses have actually gone out, been implemented, and are doing business, it's not as many as there should have been. And it's because licenses were given out in a limited setting and lawsuits happened and holds were put on licenses until that's figured out in the courtroom process. Illinois is a super gangster state. Oh, God yeah. damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't be like I, I'm glad we're not in Illinois. Yeah. And well, it, it, yeah. I love let's Chicago. Let's not get off track. But yeah. you're right. And and so I you know, I saw a comment today from Carol Moss on on her story and she said she was looking at the fl- the situation going on in Florida. Mm-hmm. And if and if it goes one way, Trulieve it will have forty three percent of the market, and it was a reminder that said, "Hey, even if you're annoyed at how long it's taking for the Minnesota market to get right, know that people are working on it in a way so that it works from the yeah. get go." Right, absolutely, right. right. Um, and she also encouraged competition. You know, saying like, "Hey, understand that you're." hemp competitor right now is going to be on your side in the long run Mm -hmm. compared to true leaf or verano or gti makes a better industry both for consumers but i really just do think for operators as well yeah yeah we all grow better when we all grow better yeah well so on that point Another question that we were able to submit, I was super happy that they took so many of our questions. Um, Another one was, what are some of those indicators that you're looking for in a successful program? How will you know when the implementation has been successful versus a not successful one? Well, of course, they talked about avoiding lawsuits, or at least avoiding injunctions. This was an audio clip of another thing that they're looking at as really being that big indicator. So let's listen to that. The sort of evidence to show that the regulated market is being utilized to its full intent is how we would define success. So we're going to stop the clip there, but but that's essentially what they're looking at. They're looking at how much that regulated market is being used versus the other market, the illicit market that has existed here in Minnesota for a long time. How do you guys think that, that or what do you think about the fact that one of their main indicators on is our implementation successful, basically is our people buying cannabis through the legal programs? I mean, that's a low bar. No, it's 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 a good it's a Very good measure because it's acknowledging that cannabis use and cannabis purchases and that it's ex- that it it is happening and if you can acknowledge mm-hmm. that then then so many other stupid arguments fall out of the wayside, mm-hmm. right? Okay, and then where they go from that is they look gram by gram. Uh, oh yeah, right. Yeah, and and not to push back against you too much, Marcus, but but I I sort of agree with you, Steve, that I think. When we look at states that first legalized cannabis, I think there was so much emphasis on how can we tax this to get other things out of cannabis. And I think the what we saw from that is that just continues to prop up the illicit market. 
If you have places like Chicago where you're paying a 38% sales tax on cannabis, like ever going in those, stores. yeah, insane. People but are still where, buying from where else? Where I mean, not even Lunds and Byerly's or Kowalski's is charging you 38% no. more than no, you know no, no, Rainbow no. Foods. Absolutely, no, I know it's definitely some some huge markups. But <laughs> what I think is important about having these implementation scientists here in Minnesota saying these words is they're looking at it and saying. How do we get people to actually go into the stores? We can't just have a program that's propped up and yeah, it's legal, you know, do whatever, but we're actually going to have, hopefully people buy in from stores. I mean, that's good and all, but like, who are they going to be <laughs> buying it from? I think they need to set some, some bigger goals. Like we want to make sure that there are a lot of successful businesses in the industry. Mm -hmm. If you just have like a target of cannabis, and I know we're not structured to allow that. Like it should be the success should be measured based on how many entrepreneurs can start up and run sustainable businesses and create jobs. How about like more than just having people spend their money in the store? Like where are they buying it and what's the money doing for the people who are running these businesses? Well, yeah. I mean, on that point there, there, there was some good talk about uh, grant programs and there was some good talk about early licensure. And so there's, a multiple prong approach going on right now to try to get the market up and running. Yeah. I think I agree with both of you, both of you. I mean, yeah, we want people to buy from the legal market, but honestly, I don't care I, if people can grow the shit that they grow in their house. I mean, <laughs> oh, <consume>. sure. That's <laughs> right. Because, I mean, one out of four people in Minnesota do grow their own cannabis that use cannabis. So, you know, that is a great option. And Minnesota was, you know, one of 11 States to legalize home growth. So, um, that, that was non-negotiable for us. <laughs> that, that fucking rocks. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. So it's the only way we can overgrow the government is just by having too much cannabis. And, and for, so, so the YouTube transliteration gets it right. It's overgrow, overgrow. Please don't flag this. Don't. Yeah. I think yeah. I've got two pounds in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> so our next audio clip on the topic of grants. Uh, we got some more information behind the scenes from uh, a guy that, that we've known for a while, Nathan Ratner, talking a little bit more about what that timeline for the grant program rollout is going to look like. Let's listen to that clip, and then I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts on how uh, quickly or, or what the rollout will look like. All right, let's listen to that. Within the next month or a little longer, we will release a public request for information and this will cover uh, questions relating to all four of the grant programs that I mentioned. And we're going to work with uh, the Office of Cannabis Management, in particular Marone, to make sure that this goes out to all of the industry advocates and experts uh, that we have in this room and, and, and more. And the goal of this is for the folks who ideally will benefit from these grant programs to inform what they need to focus on. All right. So that was, you know, about a week ago at this point, they said within the next month or so. So that's roughly by the end of March, we're going to see some sort of communication looking for more information on who these grant programs should be going for, what that program should look like. I mean, that's a pretty good timeline. I think going into this year, I thought, well, I hope we see it by the end of the year. This is looking like we're on track to see it by really later part of the summer. I mean, I'm friends. I would just be disclosure. I'm friends with Nathan Ratner. He's solid as Solid is a rock, and I mean we're fortunate to have some of these good hires. You know? mm -hmm. He's with Deed, but yeah, he advocated for like equitable legalization. That's right. He now was, he's helping to implement it. That's beautiful. 
poetic. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we got one final clip that we're going to listen to here today. Um, I'm going to cue this one up. So, I mean, I guess we didn't really comment much, but, you know, there. I hope that the Minnesota Cannabis College can play a role in helping get these grants out. I mean, we should be the partner with OCMRD mm-hmm. because the reason we founded the Minnesota Cannabis College in late 2020 is because we knew the legislation was going to call, once it became law, call for a partnership with a nonprofit organization. And we knew there was none that existed in Minnesota that could fill that role when the time came. Mm-hmm. So we did this proactively because we knew this, these days were coming. So we're the natural perfect partner. No exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we knew that the state would need someone to really help fill that role. And we really want to be here to help support the industry. As we've talked about for the past now four years, our goal is to really help bring about an equitable legal cannabis program. And it's exciting to see that the state is on track, at least, to help support some of those efforts and to really get that money out to some of the entrepreneurs that are going to create the program that we hope to have. Yeah, I mean, this is manifestation. We're creating the equitable, thriving craft cannabis market in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. All right. So on that point, we do have one final audio clip, as I mentioned. This one was really sort of a, qu- a response to a question about how they're going to be evaluating these applications. When the application comes in, how are they going to know what applicants are ready and who is not? So let's listen to that here. We talk about having the best business plan, being the most ready in that sense. Um, I like to sort of give the illustration that what we can tell you is that the most successful people in this business are either going to be people who have operated with extreme business acumen and are uh, have operated in intensely scrutinized regulatory spaces before, right? Such as healthcare. That's a great, great uh, parallel. Who have operated in businesses like that or have operated illicitly and have never even experienced having to be within the regulated system. Those are two ends of the same spectrum. So to define readiness would be to just say, these people are inevitably the winner, right? Or these people are inevitably the winner. There's no research to suggest that either one of these or anywhere in between is going to make the most successful applicant as opposed to somebody who is most ready, depending on how you define that, right? You can have a conference to respond to that one. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that is the spectrum. And uh, then there's a lot of people in the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do have to have a solid business plan. Of course, it's going to help to have business, like regulated tax business experience. But there are people that are in the legacy market who are going to win because of the people in their network who can make up for the, you know, the knowledge or the skills gaps that they may be lacking in in terms of being technical and and on the flip side you could say there are people in the healthcare space that are going to win because they've operated in highly regulated industries before and they have a high level of professionalism and a good amount of capital available like and it's true and so you know what she's saying is i'm not i don't want to comment on are these people going to win or are these people going to win but we understand that there's of a spectrum of people and personalities and backgrounds that are going to enter this space. Mm -hmm. And I will comment that this industry is extremely difficult, extremely hard. Uh, 280E is a huge impediment. A lot of people wouldn't get into the cannabis business that are business owners right now because they wouldn't be able to write off a lot of the costs that are involved in the adult use cannabis market as it stands. And like any other industry. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this, my only... You know, caveat to that is this industry is going to be really hard to 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 do it legally. Mm-hmm. 
You're going to have to run a, a, a lean business, you know, and you're going to have to do it for the love of it. If it's if money is your number one why, it's probably not going to work out very well for you. Yeah, or you're going to have to have a large payroll to, you know, to find the people that are really passionate about it. I mean, yeah. Like, look at MedMen. I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes, but there's these multi-state operators who, like, over-leveraged financing and, you know, tons of money, but they just over-leveraged and they, they just tried to be too big, you know, and there is such a thing as too big to fail. I remember seeing I mean, their, too big to their financial reports <laughs> in 2019, and they were um, they were just, like, just jamming it down, like regardless if it made sense, like just fundraising, fundraising, burning cash, burning cash, you know, not actually having solid financials. And, and, you know, this, uh, this group mentioned on that call, well, it turned into a call once Tanner recorded it on that meeting (laughs) that, uh, the green rush is effectively over. So the, the cannabis hype from five years ago has, has gone away. And so maybe it is the right time for Minnesota to have legalized cannabis. And maybe there is a new opportunity for craft because the, the big companies that thought they were going to make a billion dollars in this have, have a lot of them have inevitably failed, mm-hmm. inevitably failed, you know, like, uh, that's a tough one on the podcast. The, the, uh, the pot stocks. I mean, none of those are like, I knew that wasn't going to work. <laughs> I was like, that's suspect. It's like, I don't gamble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gamble enough in my day-to-day life. <laughs> no offense to gambling. Well, guys, so that's all the audio clips that we're going to listen to. If people want to go listen to that entire recording, like we mentioned in the beginning, they can go back to our YouTube page, listen to that entire thing. Let us know your thoughts on it. We are curious to hear what other people think about what's going on in the industry. OCM clearly is interested as well. They are going to hopefully have more meetings in the future. Hopefully, uh Make sure to spread that email a little bit wider this time. But either way, looking forward to future OCM communications and being able to be part of that conversation about what should cannabis look like here in Minnesota. Shout out to the OCM. Keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go today, um, we do have two incredible interviews. Uh, we're going to listen to Jamie Croyle talk a little bit more about House of Oil Works in just a couple of minutes here. After that, we've got a, a double episode, which I'm really excited about. Uh, Veronica is going to come on and she's going to be sharing an amazing product. The Agua Fresca, Fresca, so, so good. I mean, you're going to be able to see you sample that and me be able to pop onto the camera a little bit and sample it. And uh, that's one that's been in my fridge for quite a while. That's yeah. a, that name is amazing. Oh, yeah. Tropical yeah, Tropical Haze, Haze Agua, Agua Fresca. Fresca. From Misota Essence. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, so that's very good. branding. Yeah. Well, before we jump to those, we did just want to throw one other plug in here. And it's crazy. I mean, we're doing... So much of the college, it's, it's hard to fit it all into one podcast, but we do want to let people know that we had a training program last year that people could sign up for, walk people through the law, the science, and the how-to of selling edibles here in Minnesota. While the law changed, as we all know, last year, we've now updated that program. It's now House File 100 compliant, totally up to date with the regulations here in 2024. If you are a seller of cannabis products and are looking to be able to train your employees, or if you're looking to get into the industry and looking for a certification that you can show to businesses to say, I know how to sell edibles and I know what's in this and I know how to talk to consumers about it. We've got that now updated on our website. We're really awesome. I mean, it, we're really excited to be able to offer it for a super low cost for less than $100. People are able to go sign up, get that entire training. We worked with many people here in the industry to make sure that it has the quality information that you need 
to actually be able to sell edibles and to have people know what it is that they're buying. Compliant. Yeah. Compliance is a key these days. That's for sure. And, you know, as a small business owner, you don't have the time to sit down and tell every single one of your employees, like, hey, here's the 17 parts of the law you need to be aware of. Like, oh, you don't know how to explain what a terpene is? Like, oh, well, let me just tell you. Like, people just don't have time for that. Well, we put together a training program. You can send people in an hour online. They'll know exactly what they're doing. Cool. I mean, everybody who's planning on applying for a license should have this book for themselves and the staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even their investors. This is something that legal Minnesota cities should be sending to every municipal government in the state. Like, Yeah, absolutely. This is such a valuable tool for such a low price. Yeah. So you can sign up right now, mncannabiscollege.org backslash retail training. It's going to have everything. We'll throw that in the show notes. You can click on that. If you're interested as an individual to take that, we'll get you signed up. If you're interested in getting your employees signed up for that, we're here to help you with that as well mncanvascollege.org backslash retail training. Uh, go and check that out. That's what we're here for is to help people compliantly follow the law here in Minnesota. It's a, it's a lot sometimes and we're here to help. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to jump to those interviews. Be sure to stick through and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in, friends. Feeling really energized, thinking about the days and events ahead, and I'm just like, I gotta sing a song, you know. I gotta, I gotta send Tanner my vision, you know. I've, I've got a song, and it's about Doug's Nugs. It's called the Doug's Nugs Anthem, and so we're gonna sing it for you on this podcast today. Come to the boot camp. Come to the boot camp. It's Brian. And Bobby at Doug's Nugs on Thursday, February 29. We've got a sweet boot camp with Brian and Bobby. Come find out which one's Doug, which one's Doug at the boot camp at Modest. Come find out, come listen. To Tanner, he'll teach you about cannabis. We used to call it marijuana, but we don't do that anymore. Let's find out who's done. Come find out who's done with Brian and Bobby at Modest on Leap Day. Truly, truly incredible. Coming to Spotify soon. Check us out. Minnesota Campus College. February 29th. It's going to be a fun time. Get your tickets today. mncampuscollege.org backslash bootcamp. Brian and Bobby, come find out which one's Doug. Um, remember when I brought you that chicken sandwich? Yes. So I hadn't been into the shop since 2021, which was the Anoka Food food truck festival. Yep. And then I saw Jude on Monday at the, at the class last week and complimented him on like the art and the, the graphics and like how 
uh, even talking to Tanner, like how many products, like the curation of the products, I yeah. think has really continued to elevate. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the, the natural elevation of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Evolution. It, when you have a retail store, you're just constantly tinkering with what's inside. Yep. And you know, um, the longer I stay there, the more and more it changes and morphs and I become more and more comfortable with things and I like change anyway. So, um, just bringing that element to the store is really critical. People come in, they have something new to look at. Yeah. Uh, this is my friend, Jamie. Oh, hey Jamie. Hi Tanner. (laughs) Nice to meet you. (laughs) Should we get started? Sure. Yeah. Well, what I love about this interview is that like a lot of the times when we bring people in, honestly, sometimes I actually meet them for the first time in the studio. Um, it's sort of like, hey, nice to meet you. Now let's sit down and tell me about yourself. Um, but really, this conversation is going to be way less of like, hey, so who are you um, for us and more sort of for them. Uh, but we're really happy to have you out here today and being able to talk about your story, what sort of brings you to the cannabis industry and sort of what the future looks like, not the we have a magic eight ball, but <laughs> looking into it a little bit. Um, and I wanted to sort of start off by introducing a little bit about yourself, sort of what is your introduction to cannabis and who is Jamie Croyle? Sure. Uh, my introduction into cannabis goes way back, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably in the early 90s. Um, I smoked a lot of cannabis in high school. <laughs> I was one of the black sheep. Um so I was a, a heavy cannabis user until about my mid-20s. And then at some point, it started giving me a lot of anxiety. And at the time, I didn't even know what that was. But essentially, I quit. So probably late 20s. Um, then fast forward to, you know, 40s and heading out to Colorado. What do people mm-hmm. do in Colorado anymore? I mean, they go and they get high. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are. You're in a legal state. Let's get high. Um <clears throat> And it made me, it made me anxious. Sure. Again. So, um, but but now with like four years, five years into the industry, like, can you sort of extrapolate? Was it too much THC? Was it not enough entourage? Like, was it not enough CBD? I mean, how would you like dissect it now with all the knowledge you have? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great question. Uh, knowing that, Microdosing can really be beneficial, um, knowing your strains, you know, through high school, I didn't know what I was smoking, um, being able to know terpenes and the effects and what they bring to the table. Uh, my body can really tell me what it needs. And, um, even though I'm a daily user now, it still creates anxiety, but I know how to move through it. I know how to elevate through it. Um, and it doesn't matter who you are. If you have anxiety, you're eventually going to overindulge occasionally. And, and I do occasionally, you know. Um, but I think learning to move through that and learning what strains and, and ways of ingestion right. can right. really so be much. different for people. So much to it. There's yeah. So much. To, you brought up strains. You brought up terpenes. You brought up, I mean, I brought up cannabinoids. But it's more than just cannabinoids. Like it's, And I'll pass it to you. Like you know, you've experimented quite a bit with seeds and, and like you're probably growing for a specific type of strain that to complement the body composition that you have. Like that is another, that's the second level that we're now experiencing in with this legalization phase is being able to grow strain specific for your needs. For sure. Yeah. I had a friend group that not to put anyone on blast, but there were a couple of people that used cannabis. I was sort of 
the guy and didn't really have a lot of people there to teach me a ton. And I, I think back to, you know, being in like my early twenties, meeting people like you and you teaching me like your nose knows, and you have this really powerful receptor that's built into your brain. And it really tells you a lot more about what your body needs. And I think we give it credit for. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, you know, as terpenes, I know we're jumping around here, but I know, as sorry, as terpenes have become more prominent, it's uh, allowing me to understand the essential oils industry a little bit more, yes. which has been going on for a long time, and how your nose knows, like how different scents will affect you. And that's when I talk to people about terpenes that don't know anything about cannabis. I bring it back to essential oils because that's just a more mainstream adopted uh, industry. So it's it's fascinating and, you know, where are you at with terpenes now? I know you're, you're sort of uh, exploring Gangier classes and you're familiar with terpenes. Like, tell us a little bit about terpenes. Yeah, you know, um, I was really turned on to terpenes through the terpene tasting kit. Um, when last year at MJ Haberdashery, uh, Jislin just kind of blew everyone's mind with these terpenes and just being able to smell them. Um, and have that tactile experience with them. It's just, it's all about everything. I mean, it's the, the plant terpenes kind of rule the world, but, um, I'm learning about terpenes more like through the Gangier pro program. I am not in the Gangier program, but with Jude being there, I'm really learning a lot of different things, um, about terpenes and, and growing and, um, I would say that he's probably more of the subject matter expert on terpenes, but I really, really love what they bring to the table for me. Yeah. Blue dream. Like that's my, that's my, my go-to, right? Um, just because I have a lot of migraines. Uh, so it's got uh, a pretty gassy terpene in it yeah. and it helps me. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. That. I love that. So I had a question for you. I, I think a lot of people have heard your story about being that high school cannabis consumer and probably related to that in some way of like, yeah, this was a substance I really found useful in my life. Mm -hmm. But I think that next step that a lot of people haven't taken is then going actually like starting a cannabis business. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what motivated you to take that step to go about doing that and what it was like way back in 2018 sort of getting started doing that. Yeah. Um, never thought I would be in this spot, right? Just never did, but probably rewinding, um, back in 2016, 2017, uh, relocated back to Missouri where I was doing some end of, end of life care for both my grandmother and my mother. And at that time, um, I really needed some mental health, right? Just caregivers care about other people. They stop taking care of themselves. Yeah. And I knew that I was at this point where I either needed to get on medications or find something else that could help me. And um, being in Missouri, there wasn't anything in Minnesota, but there was a lot happening in Missouri. And I went to a CBD space, and this woman talked to me for 30 minutes, didn't make me feel dumb about the questions that I was asking. And literally, within one to two doses, I felt more myself than I had in months. And I really wanted to bring that back here to Minnesota. So you were down there for a family, but you were, um, your home was in Minnesota at that it, time as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. So that makes a ton of sense. Yep. And finding homeostasis during that challenging time is 
so important to, to waking up and living your life every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were just in Missouri for only um, a certain amount of time. You know, we didn't really have a timeline, but it was not going to be permanent. It was down there to care for family, and then we would come back to our life in Minnesota. Sure. And I think about your store and like the sign that you've had for a number of years, like create balance daily as a good reminder of what CBD does. And um, how has your dosing changed from that initial Missouri store to now fast forward? Like, are you still leaning on CBD for the challenging days? You know, um, I think much like anyone, as we've progressed in this state, really leaning into more adult use and the Delta nines that I did start leaning into that a little bit more. But recently I have really went back to CBD back to basics, you know, Um, because it does bring a lot of value to my life when it comes to anxiety. Yeah. The, my 2024 uh, legislative campaign is uh, make CBD cool again. Yep. (laughs) I love that. Yes. <laughs> Double the dose. <laughs> Back to basics, people. <laughs> so you were in the industry sort of focusing on that CBD side of things when that really was an underappreciated, I think, part of the industry. That continued to grow. And then anyone that's been around for a while knew that sort of Delta 8 slowly started to trickle into the industry. Tell us a little bit about sort of your first interaction with the what some call like the alternative cannabinoids um, and then what sort of the acceptance of that was like? You know, coming from a medical standpoint or more of a healing standpoint, I really hated Delta Mm eight. And then I saw a lot of colleagues in a lot of different places, as well as my clients coming in wanting this Delta eight. So that was an interesting time. Mm -hmm. Like you would want to hold out on the basis of this is maybe a synthetic cannabinoid, but it was driving sales yeah. and like, and what that means is consumers were looking for it. Yes. And I'm, I'm in the business. I mean, I have a business to make money and it is about my clients and my consumers that come in. It's what they want. And if I am able to provide that without um, breaking the law, then I'm, I'm going to. So I eventually brought it in and it was like night and day. I mean, I was really at a point in that time where I did not know if I was going to make it to the end of the year. I remember, I, re- I remember not specifically that, but I remember being around you at that time and, and going to monthly meetings and seeing a little bit of, uh, res- like uh, relief yeah. from a business owner standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was right around the pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which didn't make things easy yet by any means. No, I could write a book. Like, I I feel like I could write a book about um, just the journey that I've been on, you know, with this business since 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy to think about, like, standing in my kitchen, listening to, like, a clubhouse call, like, chatting with other people in the industry and thinking about how from that nucleus where that industry has really grown and expanded and having conversations on there and, like, is Delta 8 the next step for our industry? Is it something we should be hesitant of? And a lot of that internal dialogue that I think... If you walked into a store, you might not have been aware of, you just saw products on the shelf, but there was so much conversations happening behind the scenes really leading up to that. And how crazy is it that since you and I have known each other, that technically 
you could have been selling Delta 9 this whole time <laughs> through the farm bill. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? Oh, it is nuts to think about. It is nuts. But, I mean, in such a short time period, mm-hmm. we have all grown to know so many different faucets of this plant. Oh, yeah. I and mean, it's immaculate to see all of us growing, too, mm-hmm. right along with the plant. Yeah, I think it was Rochelle who was on here who talked about how the Minnesota consumer is sort of unique because you go to other states and – you don't have people asking for like, oh, I only want Delta 9 THC or I really want like the THCO to be included in that or give me CBG. And are we really are a, I mean, there are consumers that just sort of know the whole alphabet soup of cannabis just from watching the industry change over the years. I had a product uh, yesterday, uh, CBD, CBG, BCP, right? A new one, right? Okay. But it's beta carophylline yeah. and Tanner was Googling it as we were talking about it. And he goes, it's, it's actually known as a terpene yeah. and a cannabinoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I learned that for the first time, like just the other day. And it's constantly learning new things about this plant. It's really incredible. I, it is. It's incredible. And apparently that one's amazing for eyesight or helping people with eye trouble. Well, I need that. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you where it's at. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you about that. So Steve made a comment about you being able to sell THC sort of this entire time. Yeah. We, I'm sure, can all remember that summer of 2022 in Minnesota really formally put into the books the, no, you can officially sell this labeled as a THC product and say, consume this for the THC. What was it like not only going from CBD to Delta 8, but then finally from CBD to Delta 8 to so many other things to now Delta 9 THC the OG of cannabinoids, if you will. <laughs> so many people don't understand that it is the OG of, mm-hmm. of cannabinoids. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I remember when that kind of came through, I was on a vacation for the first time in four years, right? And um, I was calling everyone like, can you work? Can you work? Can you please work? Can, you don't know, need to know anything. Can you just work, please? Um, <laughs> work, 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 work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, it was, you know, I, I really, it was a great time. It was a rejoice time, but I was also on vacation for the first mm-hmm. time in four years, right? That's right. That's right. Where did you go? Um, we went to... You, you tripped out west, right? Yes. And we went to the Bighorn Mountains in uh, Wyoming. Cool. We, we yeah. really just kind of got in our vehicle and drove, right? We stayed in it. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was yeah, beautiful. It was like camp life, Jeep life. It was. Yep. It was Jeep life. Yep. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Yes. What was the feeling like? You talked about sort of like, uh, honestly, like the sense of relief that sort of came from D8 being able to come in and sort of having this other route to be able to connect with customers. Was THC, Delta 9, THC, sort of like a similar feeling or was that much more of like a a monumental step forward? Sort of how did it feel to you at the time? I think it was very monumental. Um, I mean, we're, we're moving into what all of us have wanted most of our lives. So I, it was huge. And, um, has the consumer changed? Yeah. Let's like, it went from, uh, I, well, I haven't said this one in a while, so I apologize, but it's like now CBD isn't the worst thing out there. And so like there's a new PG-13 movie or there's like a new, like now CBD's PG-13 and like, so like it bumped everything to a little bit more approachable, right? So now you're probably seeing a more um, traditional consumer, but it's a non-traditional consumer to the cannabis space, right? Yes, very much so. But you know what's funny? 
I still have people coming in. Well, do you have any Delta eight? Yes, it is interesting. I'm, I'm not rude, but I'm just like, nope, don't carry that trash here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Well, and I think that's how a lot of people, I mean, maybe didn't want to put it out at the time, but we're sort of feeling on like, God, is this the cannabinoid product of the future? Is this really where we want to go? I mean, I remember trying a D8 product for the first time and thinking like, well, it didn't really give me the effect that I want, but maybe that's just legal cannabis is right. So I had a lot of people come in giving me scary thoughts, um, on, on Delta eight, like, um, just that they would have these blackout moments that they would forget where they were at. Um, so I started finding some, just some things I really didn't like hearing. It wasn't, Oh, it was a bad experience. It was like, Oh, I was driving to work and I couldn't figure out where I was. What? Mm -hmm. Um, but back to your other question. What was that again? I mean, just like tell us like the, I'm sorry. The I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to jump the jump the gun, but like we all know who's buying these products. So like, tell us a little bit more about like who's now comfortable buying these products and, and is it different in Anoka or do you think it's similar to your uh, compadres around the twin cities? Oh man. Um, I would say that my demographic is mainly, and I don't want to say it's more male or female dominated, but it is definitely 40 to 65. Right. Um, we do have a lot of male and females coming in, but that, that age range, they do feel comfortable. I see a lot of older people it's legal now. So I want to try it. You know, I'm, I'm okay. I feel comfortable. I'm not going to be um, discriminated against, or I'm not going to go to jail for wanting to make myself feel better. So I see a lot of older folks coming in. It is called adult use. So it's, it's, it's funny that it's the more established adults that are taking advantage of adult use. Yes. Whereas like our demographics for video is like younger, but that's coming next. And so for now, how often do we talk to retailers and they're like, yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the older, uh, 60s, plus year old people that are buying these beverages by the, by the case, by the, by the six pack. And I, I love that. Yeah. You know, it's just, but like, that was not what the Delta eight market looked like necessarily. No, not at all. (laughs) I feel like a lot of the older or, you know, I don't want to say older. I like the established adult. Yes, Yes, Yes. Yes. The established adults. I feel like, um, where we and they came from, smoking was really bad, and and we've kind of gone through this attrition with um, with smoking with with tobacco, mm-hmm. and people don't necessarily want to smoke; they want to drink or they want to eat. And then you have some of the younger folks who are in the vape sort of box, right? And the younger folks like to smoke, right? And it's not cigarettes; it's it's cannabis, right. or you know, it's cannabis. Well, maybe it's. Uh, nicotine to some degree. Right. But yeah. like the stigma, the stigmatization, the stigmatization of um, smoking at that 40 to 65, it's heavily there. And, yeah. and so what, but like to the mainstream and to where beverages are being seen, it's all more uh, less smell, easier function. Yep. Don't have to step outside to consume it. Yep. Um, so product wise, like not going deep into your sales or anything, but is it like, is it a mix of gummies and beverages or do you think beverages are moving a lot faster than gummies? Like now we're in, you know, kind of year two or three of this. I feel like it waxes and wanes, um, but definitely beverages and gummies. Like 
gummies, just gummies everywhere. So many gummies. <laughs> so many gummies. Yes. In fact, the city council. Ooh, can you help me with this? Uh, what did what did they name this? Um, one of the city councilmen in the, in the city said, "What did he name it? Gummies to go." Gummies to go. Um, like the store should just be named Gummies to Go, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody has gummies, but and and people want gummies. It's really, I'd say it's equal. Cool. It's equal, but it's a real pain to have to deal with drinks. Ooh, that's the quiet part about the beverage industry yes. is how heavy they are. Yes. I mean, I worked in a liquor store in my youth. I knew, I know what it's like, and that's just, it's like I am didn't get in the business to be uh, Anheuser-Busch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have some questions for you about your thoughts on House File 100. We're less than a year out from that. Yeah. But first, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. All right. So, Jamie, you've seen a lot of changes in the industry going from CBD, Delta 8, Delta 9, THC and everything. But you also had the opportunity to see House File 100 move its way across the finish line. And, well, we haven't had that full legalization implemented yet. I mean, as a lifelong cannabis consumer, I'll never get sick of asking this. What was it like to see legalization pass here in Minnesota? Beautiful. Beautiful. I I shed some tears and it's really kind of difficult for me to shed some tears. But bringing this plant and these medicines out of prohibition is just what a time to be alive, right? What a time to be alive when we are freeing the plants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plural. Yes, plural. <laughs> so like, you know, it's uh, mushrooms probably aren't too far away, you know, yeah. given given where we're at right now uh, legislatively. Yeah. They're exploring it at least, right? Hot on Miss Cannabis's trail. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Cool. So that's one thing that we've sort of danced around on this podcast generally over the last couple of episodes, but haven't really directly addressed is that huge overlap between the mushroom and the cannabis industry. And well, I think it's less talked about in like our legal adult use hemp side of things. We're seeing so much of an influx of people recognizing, oh, like mushroom adaptogens really do have a role in our lives and perhaps a role in cannabis products too. What sort of has your thoughts been on that, been on watching the industry sort of accept that, not new part of the bubble, but accepting it as part of the or wider spectrum of cannabinoids? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I have moved from, you know, just THC to I call myself a cannabis and mushroom dispensary. So we're pretty much half mushrooms, half cannabis. Um, Every day, though, someone thinks that I'm going to sell them a magic mushroom, and I am not. (laughs) Um, But really, there's a lot of education. Mm -hmm. um, But they have a really great symbiotic relationship. And I think just kind of starting to make people a little bit more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like the mushroom industry um, on the psychedelic space is kind of a little bit faster moving than it is in the cannabis space. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see probably a lot of changes even on the state level um, and national level, probably in the next two to four years. I personally feel like it will be a widespread um, turn where Cannabis has been a, such a slow turn, you know, for everyone adapting to it. And I think it is speeding up a little bit more, but I think we'll see a bigger flip hmm. in in that space. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. 
that's just my my opinions. <laughs> I mean, once you allow one plant and allow it to be studied and used and, and it's, you know, safe in, in the framework that we have it, it would make sense. I mean, even if we're talking about chaga, reishi, cordyceps, like those are products you're able to sell at House of Oil Works and you, you sell those. And I'm, I'm using the lion's mane right now. I need to be using one more drop so that I wouldn't have had to pause as today, you know? Uh, but no, it's, th- those are great products. And I, I'm excited. I feel like we're in the early stages of mushroom products right now. Yes. We're like in the 2019 of, of mushrooms. So it's like, gosh, like what is my dose? I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's no standardization. I know, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you, you don't, you know, you don't really know what, um, a standard amount to take on a daily basis is. And then you have a lot of, you know, is mycelium good? Is the fruiting body good? But we have, yeah, I mean, we, the boat hasn't even picked up all of its passengers left or yet and left the, you know, it's still sitting there. We're just at the beginning of this. Who, who are some of the people in the industry, whether it's locally, nationally, I know you've traveled for some of these conferences. Like who do you look to for advice or who do you enjoy having conversations with to like continue to grow your mushroom education? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I really love attending, um, the big psych functions, especially on a local level. Uh, and then the past year I've really been involved with an Institute out of the Netherlands. I've done some training under them. And then I've recently started, um, just, probably this week, um, a, another program that is U.S. based. So I am pretty tapped in um, on a local, national, and international level. I love talking about mushrooms all the time. Cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you met Marcus Harkis? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah we, <laughs> yes, I have. Mm-hmm. It's too bad Marcus isn't yeah. here for this. I know. Just this specific question, he would, yeah, he would be all yeah. But I can hear so many rhymes and sort of what you were saying to like the CBD industry of 2018, where, you know, I remember buying gummies at the time and some were 300 milligrams of THC in yeah. one gummies. Others were, Hey, this is a CBD gummy. I don't know the dosage. It's, it has CBD in it. Um, to now today where I can buy five milligram CBD gummies that are so uh, micro dose that it really have so much control over it. Yeah. I, I really do see the future of mushrooms sort of moving in that direction. Yeah. We'll see. Yes. Yeah. Just because they're both plant medicine, right? So now like in our society, people are microdosing plant plants at a, at a, in a legal framework. So it's like two to four years. I like that. I think we'll see a lot of progress in two to four years. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I had another question for you. Um, Right after legalization, there were a lot of people here in the cities that were super excited and celebrating and running out in the streets and like ripping dabs in the street. I definitely wasn't doing that. (laughs) August 1st. Yeah, yeah. But you've talked a little bit about how, you know, you go up just 40 minutes and suddenly you're in a totally different sort of cultural environment and how maybe the city of Minneapolis is super accepting of people coming out and selling cannabis products however they want in the streets. City of Anoka maybe has a slightly different take to it. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a cannabis operator outside of the Twin Cities here in Minnesota? Hard. Okay. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Summarizing it very nicely. Sweet. Next question. No, no, that's good. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of um, red or purple at best towns on the outskirts of the Twin Cities. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my relationship with the city has been very close. I'm a very transparent person. That's, you know, House of Oil Works was built on transparency. 
Um, I, I even told people I didn't like selling Delta eight, but they didn't care. You know, they wanted it and I'm, I'm happy to sell it to them. Mm -hmm. Um, but just really being transparent with the city and keeping them up to date on the changes that were coming, um, has really helped that scenario. But then as we do move through this, you know, we're the first state to allow for municipalities. Um, so this is going to be something that I, that I'm keeping my eyes on because the city of Anoka has really um, stated in the past that they want a municipality and they also want no private entities. So um, I have options. Do I stay and fight? Do I relocate? Right. Um, There is a need for this market in Anoka and I pretty much am established there. People trust me. The clients trust me. Um, Right off main street. Yep. So um, they are very welcoming. I feel like I can have candid conversations with the city, which is really great. Um, So while it might be a little bit more difficult, I have a really good working relationship with the city and others may not. I know that there are others in the industry who are sort of on the, the third or the fourth ring tiers that have a little bit more But I also can't, I'm not as invisible in a small town. What I do is seen. So I have to be very careful and calculated on the moves and the risks that I take. Before we hop off that though, I want to, and it's not to disparage Anoka at all, but Mm -hmm. can we talk about how unique of a town Anoka is? Like it's, it's the Halloween capital of the, of the country. Yeah. The world. world of the, the world. world. Okay. It is the it almost rolled off my tongue. It's oh yeah, the Halloween I've marched in that parade too many times and not say the world. <laughs> uh, and then they uh, just last fall they experimented with um, open social consumption. District. Yeah, uh, within a social district. What, what was going on, and how did that impact you, or how did you see that, and and. How can they learn from that and maybe be a little bit more lenient on on cannabis in their in their town? Because I mean, great question. We'll find that out. But the social district came in, and that was really just. Um, I think it was like two months long, and they it was sort of a, a trial around Halloween. It was before Halloween. Okay. My own opinions, like why wouldn't you take it all the way through Halloween? But it, but I think that there was a standard timeline in which they had really decided they were going to try this out. Okay. And it worked really well, I think, um, for what they wanted. So I, people could come into your uh, House of Oil Works with a drink. Not this go round. Okay. Um, on the side of Maine that I'm on, they didn't want people crossing the main street intoxicated. Okay. But when it's implemented this spring, it will encompass okay. um, my shop, you know, my area, that side of the road. So there will be impacts. I really didn't see a lot. However, I did um, I did see maybe an influx of some people who were a little loose with some alcohol come in, you know, and wanting to buy some stuff. Um, I did have to deny one. Mm. Yeah. There's and always one. There's always yeah. one. Yep. And you know, they were in the shop for quite some time and they were, they were pretty faded, but I just don't want to be part of that. Um, crossfade in your cross-faded. own home. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Don't crossfade in public crossfade yeah. at home. 
don't <laughs> cross the street at the right point and don't and crossfade at home. Yeah, That's right. exactly. <laughs> so you touched on the communication, the transparency. I think what we have in as inevitability is that here in Minnesota, we're going to have a lot of red communities, red cities and townships that are suddenly going to find themselves home to a cannabis dispensary because yeah. we in Minnesota, we don't have that cap at zero, but at one. Um, what advice would you have for someone who's maybe moving to rural Minnesota or living in rural Minnesota saying, hey, I want to be the cannabis shop in my town? After years of doing that, what, what would you tell them? Make sure that you're ready to have these conversations with the city. Candid conversations. Someone who's starting up a business, education should be key. And that doesn't stop in our cities. Um, you know, even in the bigger cities, I mean, just being able to have conversations with these other humans about what it can and cannot do. When you establish trust with those municipalities, then they are going to trust your business. And that's the number one thing is, you know, just make that connection with your community and with those who run it. That's really cool. You can't just think you're going to, uh, waltz in or just set up shop without um, having candid conversations and being transparent and educating and le- helping them learn what the, what's about to happen because this is a mm-hmm. new industry. This yeah. is the first yeah. new industry of our, of our lives in a, in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nuance, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I talk about the transparency, when it switched from Delta eight to Delta nine, I literally went to the city and said, this is happening and I'm doing it, you know? And they're like, well, as long as you're not breaking the law, we're fine with it. But as things have progressed, obviously um, they're learning more, but they really didn't even know about it. And I think a lot of these municipalities and cities didn't even know what was hitting them, you know, when it was there. So being able to bring that um, to light before it actually hit gave them a little bit of time to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Very, very cool. Well, so one question that I've had in my mind a lot is, you know, you've talked a little bit about some of the changes that have come up in laws over the years. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges that it's, that you face as a business owner on sort of making sure that your shop is 100% compliant all the time? What has it been like not only going through these changes, but going through these changes as a business owner that has to sell products and ensure that you're following the law while doing that? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I have a lot of people come in, they might ask for something. I kind of just let, we let clients know, the whole team lets clients know, like if you do not see a product here, especially in the next couple of years, it might be because that manufacturer had to pull it and make changes to the label or the packaging. So just give it time because we're in a transitionary period. The best thing I ever bought was a label machine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On the spot. On the spot. I do not know how many times I have had to change labels. In fact, I'm changing labels right now, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> as yeah. we speak. Um, so just being able to adapt, um, make sure that you can find a mentor that can help tap you in mm-hmm. uh, to ensure that you are flowing through this really crazy time um, above water instead of being caught in the undertow. <laughs> mentorship pliability and a label machine that's great that's great 
People can get the Minnesota Cannabis College branded label machine in our shop today. MN can't. No, no, no. <laughs> um, it's a collaboration with House of Oil. Right? Yeah, yep, <laughs> exactly. Honestly, talk about a more valuable tool that you can give a business owner is making sure they're legally compliant at all times. Yeah. I mean, and with with all of these changes coming up. So uh, last week I found out uh, that apparently the oils can't be um, ingestible. You can't you cannot give information on how to take CBD oils anymore. And if it says sublingually, then that makes it wrong. And if you just say to put it down the gullet, then now it's a drink. And if you have a hundred milligrams in a bottle, then that's wrong. So, you know, the new, the new advice is just don't give anything on the label on how to take it. Right. Okay. Well, now I have to make all new labels, right? I mean, what is a, what is a business going to do? Labels are expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what else is expensive? Name tags since the pandemic. Really? Like uh, when we've had conferences and stuff, like the name tags are astronomical. Yeah, it from is Office Depot, time. it's it's just like nuts. It's like, so it's like, uh, also uh, tickets. Like the when we've had, I don't know, oh, yeah, like the, the little thi- the little things. Just like uh, parties, party stores are just making there. It's bonkers how much overpriced there. <laughs> that's t- that type of stuff. Anyway, so uh, post pandemic world, you, you can't plan. Like sometimes things change. So that was my mm-hmm. one question: is like, um, sort of how are you staying up to date? Uh, not naming specifics how you do it, but like general general rules, like how do you stay up to date on changes with with the legislature and with with the OCM? Yeah, well, I'm I'm subscribed to the OCM, so you know they're still telling me if you're selling cannabis products, you ten thousand dollar fine. Make sure you tell us you're selling it. Um, but probably the OCM, um, just being very tapped into the community, really, that's why I say like a mentor is good. Someone who doesn't really know anyone in the industry is going to have a hard time staying up to par. Um, or let's just say that you're, I don't know, a video store that wants to sell gummies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like family video. Well, I shouldn't say like names. blockbuster blockbuster. Yeah. Um, you know, how are they going to, they need to find someone within the industry to really help them navigate it. Um, so going, going to Canna connects, right. Going to MN cannabis colleges, going to all of the events and the education that we are offering as an industry is really critical, making sure that you are keeping up to date. Yeah, and we're working on ways to make that even easier because, like, House of Oil Works or you and Jude, like, you guys are model citizens for supporting us, Canna Connect and Minnesota Cannabis College. And we're working on how do we bundle some of the programs and the events and the education that we put out so that it feels better mm-hmm. for you. So it's it doesn't, it's it's kind of like, how you end up paying for Hulu, Disney plus Netflix. Like we're working on a program right now called friends of the Minnesota cannabis college. And it's going to make it easier for the good people in this industry to stay up to date, to stay connected, to stay informed and to connect in person. And that's, what's so fun with Tanner and I working together is we're able to bring events and education all under one roof. Yeah. I, I mean the education and the events are, are critical Mm -hmm. even for, you know, an old timer like me, I, you still have to stay connected because this is such a fast moving industry that we just need to make sure that we are there 
um, to learn. I mean, I, I could be connected as I am, but still I'm learning new things every day. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, it's, it's oh. such a fun time being able to take some of our conversations that we might have behind the scenes and put them here in front of the yeah. camera and in front of microphones. So thanks again so much for coming out. Thanks for having for me. People that want to keep following along with House of Oil Works, obviously they can stop by your shop in Anoka, but yeah. where else would you send them to hear about some of the things that you're doing? Uh, Instagram, House of Oil Works, uh, houseofoilworks.com. It's a great brand. Support them, check them out online, come visit them in person and say, say hello when you see Jamie. She's got red hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Jamie. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey there, Marcus. Hey, Tanner. So I got my seeds. You ready to grow some big plants? I am. Do you have your seeds? Bam! <laughs> Dude, you don't need seeds that big. But I thought we were growing really big plants. Well, yeah, but you could just use regular seeds. I mean, come to our class March 18th. We got it 6.30 to 9. In fact, Dr. Dabbs, Raiden Labs will be out there. They're going to teach you how to grow big plants, but just, just with regular seeds. Oh. Yeah, come on down. MN Campus Culture or oh. backslash grow big. Get your tickets today. You can grow some really big plants with really regular seeds. They don't need to be the size of quail eggs. Hey, Veronica, welcome to the Northern Lights podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. For everybody who doesn't know, this is Veronica Alfaro from Misota Essence. Thank you. I do have one question for you right off the bat. Where does the name Misota Essence come from? So mi soda is a play on me being Latina. So my, so me, like my soda essence. And soda is a play on Minnesota. And then your essence is like breathing in what does it mean to be Minnesotan, right? Like nature, the like just who you, who we are. We're, we have tough winters. We have beautiful summers. Like who are, who we are. Mm. And so, really kind of bringing that in. Wow. I'm even seeing it deeper. I'm seeing the brand even deeper now. Um, <laughs> so, now yeah. you started with topicals. Mm-hmm. Take us through your why when it came to finding CBD, using CBD, and then telling and selling CBD. Yeah. So I started with topicals just because I personally was going through a lot of pain. Um, I was dealing with cervical spinal stenosis in my neck and back, and they were telling me I needed to have a uh, fusion surgery. And I, I'm young. I was, and at that time I this was even, I think this was in 2020, no, 2018 when this had happened, I had just graduated from college sure. and, um, I, it's just wasn't how I saw my life. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to figure out a different way. I'm going to figure out what's going to help me. And cannabis was one of those things. And my husband is the one that actually introduced me to it and was just trying to figure out, okay, smoking works, but it wasn't getting to my pain. Uh-huh. What really worked and topicals was what yeah. that changed it. That, wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay, how do I do this? How do I share this with people? And I was sharing it on my stories and people were asking me, how do I, I want some. So I was like, okay, 
well, how do I do this legally? <laughs> or how do I even do this? Yeah. <laughs> like what, what, what would I need to do? And so I realized that I needed to get my hemp license because I was touching the plant and I was playing with hemp and I was using it from the flower to creating an oil. Oh, okay. So like in order to do that, you have to have a hemp license. Right. So um, a hemp processor license to be in exact. So I figured out how do I, what do I need to do that? And that was like my first step in like my journey. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember those first products that you brought to Stadium Bar and Grill when we met um, right before Canna Ween. I was managing Canna MN's Instagram account at the time. I think we quickly followed each other and reached out, DM'd and told you we had an event coming up and you and John came. And that was like our first solid memory of each other, yeah. of meeting each other and then, you know, introducing you or finding people in the hemp industry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was our first event that we went to and I brought our cayenne pepper. Yes. So, and that's cayenne pepper, arnica, and, um, our CBD oil that we make. And it's just, what's the benefit of the blend? So arnica really helps with inflammation and like, we just deal with so much inflammation. So does cayenne pepper. Cayenne pepper is also an inflammation reducer. So like a lot of places in South America, they actually prescribe that as an inflammation reducer. So I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's just kind of blending those, my background, being Latina, and like figuring out what are some remedies that we use um, to reduce inflammation. And that was one of them. And um, I created it initially for my mom, who has arthritis in her knees. So it was a really great way for her to like reduce that inflammation in there and like move with it. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And you still make that product now? We do. Cool. We do. And you still use that product? We still use the product. My mom still uses it. Yeah. Yeah. There's not enough people in uh, this industry that are using CBD enough. I, that's that's my disposition. Yeah. And not enough places are doing like CBD massages. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Like that's because... That's where you ended up trying to take your product, right? Yeah. That's kind of like when we first started out, that's really where we were going with it and like figuring out who, what massage therapists would work with us, but a lot were scared. So, I mean, I think there are more opening up now, but not as many. So it was still difficult um, moving. Especially coming out of the pandemic. I mean, this was still pandemic era. Yeah. Yeah. And how did your brand grow after that event into 2022, towards the end of 2022? I know you were working with the Uptown... Prima, Prima Rosa Collective, Primitiva, Primitiva Collective. Yeah. We crossed paths there once or twice, yep. and um, you probably were doing farmers markets, pop ups, like how, all in all. Like, where did you start to see some progress for your brand? Yeah, so we kind of went into uh, doing Richfield. We were at the Richfield Farmers Market for a long time and kind of really setting up home base there. Um, and then we moved from there. We became a part of Primitiva um, because. Richfield no longer allowed when the summer came, we went to be try to be a part of their farmer's market outside the summer one. And we were no longer allowed to participate because they had put in moratoriums. And um, so this was 2023 summer. I would imagine that's when the moratoriums came um, like a year. in. No, this was 2022. Wow. Yeah, wow. Was, I forgot right, about that. Yeah, They like would it? They wouldn't. They were not allowing it. So I was like, okay. It's those um, goddamn CBD beverages that everybody's worried about. <laughs> well, and also there was one more aspect, insurance. 
Okay. We needed the insurance. And so we got the insurance. But let me tell you that <sighs> that's not a cheap. <laughs> but it's it's worth it. Yeah. It's needed and it's a part of business. Yeah, absolutely. So. Business insurance is a part of business without but, a doubt. But with that, we were able to participate in so many more farmers markets. Like that opened up the door to be a part of Mill City. We were the first THC company hey. being able to uh, sell there. So that was really, really cool being okay. a part of that community. Um, we were able to be a part of Linden Hills. We were mm-hmm. like, we were just able to grow in different aspects with it um, and participate in different things. And permit- that's an infectious feeling when you get involved with farmers markets, you're around the vendors, you're yes. seeing the possibilities of homemade products. It's, yeah. it's, I, I spent a lot of time at farmers markets in 2022, 2023, and I loved it. It's, it's a great community. Yes. And it's where to like really talk to your people and educate because right now, like more than anything, we need education. We need to be talking to the community and that is where you're able to talk to them. That's where they're at. I agree. I I, I got a lot of my, I got inspired by the St. Paul farmer's market and I took a lot of that with me into Canna connect. But mm-hmm. when we talk about education, we have to talk about the full spectrum of education I just feel like there's way too much education or way too much limelight on THC as an isolate, THC as an individual cannabinoid. And I, I think that more people would be able to get on, get onto cannabis if they were using of the full spectrum. I agree. I, I wish we were able to use it more in different ways, especially in uh, like products like these. Yeah. We just, it's, it's limiting. It is. It is because the whole plant, offers so many more benefits. I know personally for me who deals with pain and pain management, that's how I go about my life. I live it through cannabis movement and really incorporating that into it. And that's a part of our mission too. So like, it's, yeah. it's really, it's important. So you shared, you shared that part of your brand with me just a little bit ago and about movement and how that's a part of your daily life. For people that are following you on Instagram, they know you have a certain ritual in the wintertime with yes. John. And, and also I saw you with Allison recently. And, yep. and you and I have even done a nice plunge together on your birthday yeah. a couple of years ago. So tell us a little bit about how you utilize cold plunging to your advantage and how that helps you be a better mom, wife, entrepreneur, uh, leading woman in the Latino Minnesota cannabis industry. Like, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what that does for you. Yeah, it it invigorates me because it shows me that I can do these things. Um, It's not easy going to that hole. Like it is probably one of the hardest things that I do. Like the drive, and I drive 30 minutes to get to my hole, to the Harriet Magic Hole. (laughs) Shout out to my (laughs) dipping community people. Um, But yeah, I I drive 30 minutes to get to the hole. So like it's, I just go. I just go without thinking sometimes because if sometimes if I think too hard, I will, I probably won't go. Interesting. But, think about that with your advice to like fellow entrepreneurs or prospective entrepreneurs when you were just telling us earlier, like it's about showing up. It is. Whether it's an ice plunge or a monthly meeting. It is. It's all about showing up and showing up for yourself because if you're not pushing that and you're not pushing yourself to do more, then it, we're not going to grow as people, as a community. We just have to, and it all starts with showing up. Yes. And we're easy, not in a selfish <laughs> way, but in a, in a straight and arrow, like in a, in a clear way, like the ice plunge helps you show up more 
defiantly, more clear. Yeah, it helps me mentally too, like and physically, and just like it helps me fill my cup. It really, and so when I'm filling my cup, I'm able to literally give more than throughout the day, throughout all the roles that I play as a mom, as an entrepreneur, especially. I mean, there's a lot of up and downs that we go through and so many different pivots that we go through. I'm currently going through a pivot right now, right? Right. Like I, and I, I'm able to handle it though, in a way that with grace and just love and appreciation for because I'm able to cold dip. Like cold dip just allows my heart to just kind of calm down <laughs> and just, it's okay. It's okay. 14, 16 hour days. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, it is. Uh, okay. So looking ahead to 2024, you know, what are some of the things you're excited about? What are you working on? What can you share with the Northern Lights audience? Yeah. So going into 2024, we are definitely expanding our um, beverage line. And working on some new beverages with that. Um, We are also learning to educate and just really still working on policy side of things, um, learning that there is still so like because I am putting out Latino inspired products. Right. And there is still issues with immigration and people using these products and it affecting them, Um, even though these are federally legal products. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, The effect is not. Yeah. Exactly. The drug test is not. Exactly. And there's, there's issues there, right? There's, it's just, and I want to make sure I'm not harming my community, which is probably the biggest thing. That's fascinating. So, but it's also knowing that I'm also a proud Latina business owner, right? Right. And who's done it the right way. Yeah. And trying to come out here and like really create a pathway Mm -hmm. and take up space. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you shouldn't not do it, but you're running into unique circumstances, unique perspectives that are potentially uh, making you scratch your head at night in a sense. Yeah. I mean, there's issues even on the consumption side, but also even on the business side, people wanting to get into this space. Um, it's really, you, you have to be a U.S. citizen. Sure. So it's just like understanding that and realizing that. So like even, for instance, my dad, who's a permanent resident, um, can even invest into my company. Wow. Yeah. Because of its nature as it, well, it would affect his. So like if he were to go get a citizenship, yeah, which he's going to have to, it would count as he's investing into an illegal trafficking business because federally it's not. And that sounds like a complicated matter to uh, distinguish. Yeah. So it's like all different aspects of it, right? There's more than just consum- consumption. There's all different pathways. So it's like figuring out how. Um, well, it's community it, support. So for you to look to your community for support, it inherently it's inherently more challenging in your community. Mm-hmm. Well, and even just in people who are immigrants, because it can be right. rare, but it, it's it's just figuring out ways to. Um, if there is a way or just shedding light on how we can really deschedule it yeah, and moving forward and like figuring out a path for that. Sure. So, and just bringing light on that. Yeah. What are some of the things that you're working on with the Minnesota hemp growers, uh, cooperative or cannabis growers cooperative? Yeah. So, um, man, shout out to them. (laughs) I can't like, I, I remember our first time being a part of the community, the first meetings going into that, bringing us into because the Lovelace case and bringing the, all the community 
community together. Yeah, Carol Moss was holding court. Yeah, like it was really pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And now to see, I can call these people friends now and like really um, colleagues in the space. Absolutely. Right. And um, learning how we've grown together and like been able to create different partnerships because of it and creating ways of growing and moving the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's been probably one of the biggest things. Um, but recently I just took on also committee chair for membership. Okay. So learning to grow the membership and really creating space for our industry sure, and our craft industry um, and really pulling together as a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You and I see a lot, a, a lot in common there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for the expo we have coming up in April for that too. Congrats. Yeah. And seeing how we can uh, grow and educate the community with that. So Cool. We'll be right back and we're going to try some brand new Aqua Fresca Tropical Haze from Veronica and Misota Essence. All right. And we're back to try some product. Veronica, I saw you here right around Halloween, maybe the day of Halloween. Tell us a little bit about the Halloween event at Dollar Depot. Yeah, that was such a cool experience. So so much fun. And they had these big fire pits with oh, the fire. I love the fire. It was so warm <laughs> by them. But I we created a really cool altar for that event. So it, it's it was colder that day than it is today. And it's like January 29th. Today. You're right on that. You're definitely right about that. Um, but yeah, that was a really cool event. It was fun to gather around with the community and kind of do like a Halloween trick or treating with THC products and just education. Tanner was there. Yeah. They pulled yeah. it together. Shout out to Will and Kale for throwing that event outside. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really cool. Cause we were able to, it was like a homage to my grandma. So we did an altar for the introducing people to cultural experiences. We're all about experiences and really kind of bringing that. And we did an altar of the other los muertos. And I had my grandma who, is she's the one that you know showed me this recipe she this is our family recipe this is her recipe wow so we were kind of paying homage to that and just saying thank you yeah yeah awesome i i remember seeing you there i only stuck around a little bit but yes tanner was there and uh it ended up turning into a pretty busy halloween event so yeah it was uh, a lot of fun that's fun tell us a little bit about the beverage now Let's talk about it. So we, this is uh, Tropical Haze. um, And this is actually, I kind of collaborated with my girlfriend, um, Angie, on this. Yes, I've met Angie. Yeah, you've met Angie. Um, So we kind of put this together because we're the Marierba sisters. Okay. And so we actually share birthdays. So that's what the 1229 is. Ah, okay. Ah, that was one of my questions was, what is the 1229 symbolic of? So, and this is what we wanted to do was create an experience for people to take into their homes. This is a cultural experience. So this is a THC Aguas Fresca with pineapple and hibiscus. Um, And then we rim it up with chamoy, a mango chamoy. And then it comes with the tahin. That is, so, this is like a picnic. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're picking up a four pack, like you should go with this one because it's an experience and we're going to show you how you can sort of dress up the beverage at home. It's going to be a lot of fun to drink. Yeah. Here, let's get this. Oh, there. So it's agua, not aqua. Agua no, fresca. Agua fresca. Yep. Uh-huh. So, and it's, 
essentially like spa water, I guess is what it would be called. Okay. Um, I like both of those things. Yeah. Um, it is. So we, this is a nitrogen dose too. So there yeah. is minimal carbonation um, in here. And the reason why I say minimal is because there it's nitrogen does mean it's not carbonated, but there's still like a little bit of, uh, I think like the nitro coffee. Yeah. There's some, there's a, there's a certain airiness to it. Yeah. And just kind of just sits a little bubble sit on your tongue. Sure. So that's why I, I don't want to say it's completely flat because it isn't either. Okay. Like, um, but it's, yeah. So it's just, a it's, uh, let's get into it. So we'll rim it up so that you have the keychain with that. And then you will literally just kind of take it on your front of your um, can and then you'll rim it up with tahin. And then the cool part is with the uh, keychain, you're not going to use it. You'll still have leftover, right? Sure. So there's different ways of um, you can also use it for fruit. You can yeah. use it on. What are some popular fruits that people put tahin on? Watermelon, mango. <laughs> Watermelon. Went, yes. Um, my favorite is Jamaica. Okay. Yes. Uh, you can also do uh, apples. Sure. I really like apples. Right. That would be an approachable one for people. Here. I'll give, oops. I'll give you this Oh, one. thank you. Oh, that's mine. Wow. Thank you. I'll make it. I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm liking your brand. I'm enjoying it more. And that's, that's part of the Northern Lights experience, right? To be able to really talk through what these, I say entrepreneurs, but pioneers are doing in the space. I mean, anyone who's making an innovative product in the Minnesota hemp industry right now could be considered a pioneer just by the times that we're living in, you know, the, the amount of change that's happening in our industry yeah. over the last three years since we've met, a little less than three years. Like it's, it's mind-blowing. Yep. It's fascinating. It, it really is. Oh, you know what? I wanted you to try it without, uh, also with it, and oh, then that's without. Right. That's so right. Here, let's do this one without. We've got a new Minnesota cannabis culture cup. We could pour some in. Yeah, let's do that. Cool. Well, I think it will just with the crack. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, I see what you, I see what you mean. So it's a different experience without it. So it's like two different experiences. You get one flavor with, and then one flavor without it. Tropical tropical haze. Here we go. Twelve twenty nine. That first, that first sip is really nice. It's a friendly flavor. Pineapple. Okay, so it's the pineapple that I'm tasting initially. Mm -hmm. And then I like the smoothness of the hibiscus and the spa water. That's yeah. nice. It makes me want to have another sip right away. Yeah. Yep. I'll open this one. Oh, that's, that's very good. It's a lot of fun. Salute. Salute. On the back. 1229 is a representation of when you trust in yourself have the courage to dream and live that dream. Misota essence. Yeah. Where it's all about just changing things and taking up space because here in Minnesota, we don't have any Latino cannabis companies out here and we want to, I want to make sure, and that's kind of what we're doing. We're, we're creating Latino inspired products and we're taking up space. Sure. And really trying to figure out a way through that. Speaking of space, where can people find this product right now? Yeah, so um, on our website, there is a list on where to buy, and it lists all the uh, 
stores that you can purchase it at. Great. So yeah. misotaessence.com, if you're interested, you can definitely check out the website and look for where you can find the product. Now let's try it with some spice. Yes. Okay, here, Tanner, this one's for you. I'm, I'm, I was like, uh, let me open this up. Camera and yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Salud. Salud. Cheers. That's really, really good. See how it's a different taste? Totally different taste. Yeah. It's a different experience, a different. And it's, it's a, just about bringing that into people's homes. It's complimenting in a sense. It's, I mean, very flavorful. Yeah. I know I got a lot, <laughs> but I mean, I'm treating this like a picnic. I kind of want some more tahini. <laughs> um, there you go. And is so that's the nitro. That's effect? a nitro effect. Yep. So it's powering. Uh, it's powering it up. Yep. It's, so it's without because carbonation. It doesn't have carbonation, right? Okay. So it's not giving that fizz to it. So with the nitrogen, it just kind of adds that pressure yeah. and stabilizes it. It's really cool watching it. Yeah. It's just like a little, and it goes in and it almost looks like just smoke coming out. It's so cool. Wow. So it's a gas. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And uh, made in uh, Morgan, Minnesota. Yeah. Shout like, out to Crested River. Crested River. Yeah. With Sean. Um, it's I will say the beverage side of things has been an uh, interesting road going along, like figuring it all out and everything. Whereas the cookies was different, right? And yeah. we're manufacturing the cookies and doing things. Whereas this, we're, we're figuring out what is our pipeline? How does it go? And everything. It's more complex. It's way more complex, but it's fun. Yeah. We, we really enjoy it. It's a new market here. It's a growing market. Right. And it's excited to be a part of and kind of creating uh, experiences for people to enjoy that are very different than what they're used to. Yeah. Um, so one, I mean, how has your product been received? But two, what are some of the uh, questions that you get that you can maybe answer on this platform about the product? Um, I think the biggest one was honestly like how to use it, right? How to do the chamoy and tahin, um, I think is the biggest thing. Uh, the other thing is, is we do sell it. In, we like to sell in four packs. So like in stores, it's a lot of times you will find them in four packs because we want it to be a whole cultural experience with the chamoy and tahin. Sure. Like, so yeah, that's right. It's hard to sell this as a single with, with, you know, it doesn't necessarily work in every cooler. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I can see that. Um, but something we are looking into going for, especially 2024 is trying to going into restaurants with it. Yes. And kind of saying this is a garnishment and this is how it's garnished and, is how we want you to serve it. So right. That's, that's like our big mission is to really kind of hone in on that and okay. figure out that side. I'm excited to see this come around. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Salute. Prost. <laughs>
Thank you so much to Jamie Croyle for coming on, telling us a little bit more about House of Oil Works. Thanks again so much to Veronica for coming on, telling us a little bit more about her brand, her products, just sampling and telling us a little bit more. I mean, like I said, it's been in my fridge for a while and it's because of that interview. So shout out to Jamie, shout out to Veronica, shout out to the Minnesota Women's Cannabis Collective. Mm -hmm. Buy weed from women. Yeah, 100%. We'll be back next week. We've got a really exciting interview that we're going to be doing. Really looking forward talking to an old friend of ours, talking to someone who's maybe been on the podcast before. Uh, we'll just leave it there and tease it a little bit and let I people mean, make sure that you listen through all the way and, and catch that next week. But you don't have to wait all the way till Monday. You also can catch an episode that we got coming out on Thursday. Stephen Brown with Nothing But Hemp is going to come on for our Black History Month Thursday bonus. We've, I mean, that's number four. We've got one more coming at the end of the month. Really, it's been such an incredible opportunity to speak to some amazing people that are doing the work here in Minnesota. So uh, shout out hard to for Black History Month. Yeah, even though there's only 29 days in February, there's five Thursdays. Yeah, yeah. We somehow picked the one day of the entire week that has five. And we did that on purpose because really there's so many people that are doing the important work in the industry. And we wanted to pick the day that allowed us to amplify that message the loudest. Yeah, it's the shortest month of the year, but that doesn't mean we need to just sort of skip out on doing the best that we can. Yeah. Steven's done a lot to grow this industry in Minnesota. I mean, talk about your SEO game being on point. Mm-hmm. Steven's SEO has been on point for like five years now. Yeah. And it's the first time that we get to talk about the state laws of cannabis that are not Minnesota. We get to look at another state and really talk to someone here in Minnesota and ask how is this affecting your business that's operating here and, and also there. I mean, he's an MSO in the hemp space. Yeah, very much so. Well, you can catch us, uh, as always, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, all of the, the social medias. Find us on YouTube. That's really one of our, our best. You can catch episodes of Northern Lights. You can listen to OCM meetings. You can you know check out some of the, the amazing work that we've done. So, so go and check those out. Um, but until next time, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks. Northern Lights is a Minnesota Cannabis College production. This episode was produced by me, Tanner Barris, and by my co-hosts, John Barty and Marcus Harkis. Production assistance from Shayna Payton and Steve Eigeman. Today's episode is presented by North Star Law Group, your trusted partner in Minnesota's burgeoning legal cannabis industry. The information provided in this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice, but is instead for general information purposes only. Information shared may not constitute the most up-to-date or legal information. No listener should act solely on the base of information provided without first seeking their own legal counsel. The opinions and views expressed on this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the Minnesota Cannabis College. Please listen responsibly.